show me pictures of boobs. Loading, loading, loading pixel by pixel. First line of a hundred, load it in. Second line of a hundred, load it in. <laughs> all right, computer, you can stop. I've already jacked off now. <laughs> that was all I needed. Oh, uh, man. oh wow. Morning. <laughs> that is the cold open to the episode we set up to be better than the first one. I hope you're all sticking around. <laughs> What are they sticking around for, Amber? I was like, I have a cold open, and then that's what I delivered. That's what I gave you. Hi, uh, my name is Amber Autumn, she, her, and this is Original Podcast Do Not Steal. But I'm not the only one here. Nope, that's because your co-host, Prince Devin, he, him, is also here. Original Podcast Do Not Steal is a weekly show in which every week, the two of us, uh, that is uh, Prince Devin and I, we take some sort of uh, intellectual property or franchise and we make an original character in that franchise um, after talking about it for a while. So this week's going to be a little bit of a twist, though. Way back in Season 1, um, one of our earlier episodes, we talked about The Creeper and how we would do a run on The Creeper, which is an obscure DC Comics um, super character. Um, super villain, superhero, sort of straddling that line, I suppose. I think that both of us came away from that episode kind of not feeling that we had done our best. And so we are here to right that wrong um, and to go back and, and rewrite history. Um, we're trying to go home again, you know, really just 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 reclaim a past that never was. You know, I just... We need, I'm not going to say make this podcast great again. This shit's all old hack and cliche. But yeah, neither of us feel particularly great about that episode. And the Creeper is my favorite DC Comics superhero. And I didn't feel I did him justice both in the prologue before the making our run and in the actual execution of that run. So this is going to be a big Devin talky episode. So I'll just open the floor up a little bit before I start talking and don't stop. Is there anything you would like to say before I get the ball rolling? So, I mean, since the last time we recorded, you, you did send me before this an, an issue of The Creeper and I did read it. So I've now read one issue of The Creeper and I don't know if it gave me necessarily like the most involved depthful view of who the character is. Um, but it does sort of help to have just like seen a picture of the character. I really, I think that we discovered this when we started casting actors in things and we discovered how much that made a difference. Um, it's funny cause we have a podcast, but the amount that having a visual reference can connect you to who a character is. So I guess what I'm saying is audience, you should uh, Google a picture of the creeper. And then stare at it while we do the podcast. This is a video essay now. I mean, yeah, it he is designed by Steve Ditko. And for the man's shortcomings as a writer, not my personal favorite, his strength was as an artist. You can go through that original run of Spider-Man and kind of ignore a lot of dialogue and find that a story is told throughout the panels, both in the layouts, the character positions, just all of it, because the Marvel method was... Uh, write, an artist would fill out a book and then the writer would fill things in. That's how Steve and Stan worked together. And that strength is carried over and just like the Creeper is a striking design. You see it once and I don't think you're going to forget it. And also not a lot else looks like the guy. I think that I'm, you know, I'm excited when you put up the, the TikTok highlights reel, you'll get to have a picture of the Creeper in it. And I think that'll make a big difference in the presentation. <laughs> Okay, so here is where I want to start, and that is I could do a oral history comprehensive little thing going over each of the Creepers in various runs and interpretations, but I, A, already did that once, and B, don't think that makes for the best podcasting. I'll do it when I hit 1,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel, so make that dream a reality, everybody. But just to say, like, His YouTube why... channel is actually pretty good. Thanks. I actually, I have a video recorded that I'm going to start editing Monday, but I think just in explaining why the Creeper is my favorite would do a better job of making something that's a little more engaging. So when it comes to comic books, American superhero comic books, they are screaming hot lunacy. We are forever engaged in a debate between are we telling ongoing stories that change? Does Spider-Man get to become a college professor and be married, or are we telling 
stories in a sandbox that we occasionally shake up. Does Peter Parker just forever have bad luck? And because both of those are just as valid as the other, making long-standing change is an eye impossible because someone is always going to want to do something about the about maintaining the status quo, right? And that madness is reflected in the creeper who is never the same twice because the second you give him to someone else they did not read the thing prior and they have a widely different interpretation of him so he's a reflection of just how american comics work on top of like i usually think reading this book is pretty fun because it's a book no one ever cares about so you get to do kind of whatever you want in the original run, the Creeper is just an act Jack Ryder is playing, right? It's Shakespearean in a way. That's why he says, Beware the Creeper, ye foolish mortals, the one who cricks and crowls at the night, right? In the 1997 series, the Creeper is a manifestation of Jack Ryder's uh, manic depressive personality disorder and a reinterpretation of his childhood trauma TM. In the Vertigo series, the Creeper is a reflection of the hypocrisy in France, wherein you claim to be like a very woke progressive society that cares about revolution, but during these things, you still have the same systems that seek to like harm and victimize women and poor people uh, while proclaiming to love the arts and stuff, and that madness results in the Creeper and a rape-revenge story. A flash cut to later, and the Creeper is literally a demon who is attached to Jack Ryder. And so, like, the sandbox, the consistency, is that Jack Ryder almost always exists, except for the Vertigo series, which is completely unrelated to anything. But Jack Ryder exists and is always an asshole. And then the Creeper gets to be whatever you want and that's so much fun and the thing he doesn't have is the definitive run that everyone can point to and go no this this and that's that's another thing i love about comics is it doesn't matter how stupid the character is animal man has the run by grant morrison that everyone can point to and go no this is why this character exists this is why they're good this is like an analytical lens i can look at this character with an involved psychology and the 97 series gets really close and there was a part of this podcast that was just going to open up talking everything about that and i have a lot of things to say about that but we can do that for another day and that's just a bunch of words about the creeper his history why i love him as much as i do i have thoughts <laughs> for how i would like to play it and kind of what I want this episode to explore. But again, I like to give you grounds. Are there just any things you'd like to say before I get into my big idea for Jack Ryder characterization? So are we, we're, so this isn't like a, a riff on the thing that we did last time. This is a whole fresh new, how we would do the creeper uh, starting from scratch. Yeah. Cause I don't really remember what we did. I just remember not loving it. Well, then, goddammit, why did I re-listen to it right before we started this? <laughs> my my bad. I mean, we could incorporate that stuff if, like, that's a wellspring of ideas no, for you. Okay, cool. <laughs> Something you did say in that episode, though, that I think was interesting that you've sort of brought back here and now um, is this idea that the Creeper is a mass of, of contradictions. You, you brought up Daredevil um, in, in the last episode, and I think similarly here... Um, the, the Creeper has a lot of things that that directly conflict with each other. And since the guy is so much in the 97 run, especially about mental health and intrusive thoughts. And I think that having a mass of contradictions within having a mass of contradictions within your character makes me think about dialectical behavioral therapy, which is maybe a strange pull here. But I think like. Jack Ryan does dialectical behavior therapy about the creeper is actually a potentially very interesting place to take like superhero slash supervillain with psychosis or whatever. So I don't know what that is. Could you explain that? So yeah, um, a dialectical behavioral therapy is a, um, it's a kind of cognitive behavioral therapy that has um, gained a lot of traction um, in recent years where um, the, the like underlying premise with dialectics 
I'm going to do a really bad job explaining it, and any, like, therapists or psych majors in the audience are going to get really mad at me for doing it poorly. But the best that I can offer you is that um, your brain, you have a lot of thoughts and feelings that, like, feel like they contradict each other because we're all humans and we have, like, a, a big, complicated mess of contradictions. And we're always, like, trying to um, synthesize those into, like, a narrative that makes sense about ourselves. And a big part of the premise of dialectical behavioral therapy is um, taking these different thoughts and feelings that feel contradictory and holding both of them at the same time. You know, like, if you... Uh, you get dumped and you you're feeling like this person hurt you really bad but you also like intellectually think that um uh they didn't actually do anything wrong um uh they're fine you're just being like a pissy whiny baby about it um dialectical behavioral therapy is about stopping that train of thought and going it can be true both that you were hurt and that the other person um uh isn't like morally culpable for that um, and kind of trying to, to smash those things, to hold both of those things that feel contradictory as true at the same time. Yeah, like the opening of The Crack Up by the guy who wrote The Great Gatsby. Um, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I really like that. I don't know how much it runs with the initial idea I had, but hey, sometimes we get to iron out the things and create something that is more than some of its parts, so I'm just going to get into like my... I will broad... secure your thing. I bet our things actually do smash together. Yeah, I bet we can make it. So here's here's my take, is that Jack Ryder, always an asshole, and what that looked like changes in the 60s. He's a haughty newsman in the 97 series. He's a, a journalist with an attitude and later things. He's like a Stephen Colbert figure. My thought would be, I just do a straight up, like, HBO Max <laughs> prestige television. Jack Ryder is someone who believes in journalism as a principle. His job is to give comfort to the aggrieved and to make the powerful feel discomfort. And he believes in that so much so to where he lights his own personal life ablaze. It's, you take the Spider-Man thing, where being Spider-Man means you have to set your personal life on fire, right? Because Peter has to run away, and now all of his friends think he's... To save his girlfriend, his girlfriend has to think that, that he's a coward, right? And, like, my thought is that what you have with Jack Ryder is it is not a byproduct of being the creeper that ruins all of his interpersonal relationships. It's that Jack Ryder sucks. And if you trust Jack with like a moment of vulnerability, that is to him a story that can then be told to, to make the world better because he believes in this ideal more than he believes in anything else in his immediate surroundings. And my thought was then you take that like initial Spider-Man thing, that daredevil thing that like being a superhero comes at a personal cost. And there's a promise to the creeper that never gets fulfilled. And that is that, Proteus is not the Creeper's arch nemesis TM. The Creeper is Jack Ryder's arch nemesis. You make the internal conflict literal. And I think the thing that happens is that Jack, in being an asshole who ruined, like, he's perpetually divorced from <laughs> main love interest Vicky. The thing Jack does is remember that scene in Bojack Horseman, where he has, like, his first, air quotes, therapy session, and she says, what you like to do is you do, an, like, a, a rude act. You do a mean thing. So when people leave you, you get to say, it's not me. It's that thing I did. That's why they left. Jack does that. He makes a, uh, like, a, draws a line in the sand between his actions and himself, and the thing that comes into conflict with the Creeper is the Creeper stands as the ultimate rejection of that, where it's, no, Jack. You don't get to make this hard line in the sand. You are your actions. I am you. You just pretend that we're not the same thing. You pretend that you didn't ruin your relationship, but you did. And that was my big idea, right? You make him a Jimmy McNulty, because good artists borrow. Great artists steal. So last time we did this, you said that every Creeper story ends in basically the same way. Mm -hmm. um, which is the creeper, you know, spider web swimming, swinging off into the distance and going, oh, I think that I am starting to enjoy this, right? It's Jack making peace with the creeper, making peace with, like, the part of himself, which is always, like, the correct 
way to end that story. Mm -hmm. Um, So does that also feel like the ending of this story to you? Or does this have a different angle there? So I do have an ending in mind. Would you like me to go over it? Yeah, I do. I love I love starting with the ending. I think the ending is always the conceit. Okay, cool. So when it was just me and I didn't have the cognitive behavioral therapy you brought up earlier, it was about like like drawing a line between you and your actions is wrong. And the like final page is it's split exactly down the middle and you see on one half of the mirror Jack and you see in one half of the mirror the creeper and Jack like looks down at sink, washes face, looks up, pulls fist back, punches it, and when the fists meet, the mirror shatters, and you get a nice big full-page spread of a, not composite straight down the middle, but like, wifty and shifty throughout. There is bits of Jack, there is bits of the Creeper, and in the mirror, and in the shattered mirror reflections, it's both Jack and Creeper. The line is arbitrary. You are your actions. That is a reflection of who you are and how you affect people. You can't pretend that that's not what you did. And so for me, like, (laughs) not just that, but then like the final panel of like Jack lands on the car as the creeper and says, I'm finally starting to enjoy this. uh, Because it's like a Bojack that only gets to that part of the story. It's not that I'm enjoying this, but I've taken the first step into being a better person. And that's hard and that sucks. So it is that exact framing that exact thing where it should say I'm starting to enjoy it, but it's the creeper not laughing, frowning, and saying something more like, I'm starting to accept it. And that's where my series would end, because it's not about a man reconciling and becoming whole. It's about taking the first steps to doing that. And I think I would want my creeper run to be a little more melancholy than you usually get. Oh, uh, man, I want Jack and the Creeper to fuck so bad. <laughs> he just jerks just off. Based on all the things that you're saying here, you know? Well, I guess it's a, that's... It's a melding of the two identities. They gotta fuck. I guess that's ice ship. That's funny, because have you ever Put seen... Put the sound effect here. <laughs> I was going to say, have you ever seen... Uh, I think it's called Johnny Isn't Real. I have not. I think you'd enjoy it, and it's on Tubi for free, so, like, check it out sometime if you had it. But that movie is, like, two degrees removed from the John Carpenter psychological thriller Creeper movie I want to exist, so I like it very much for that specific reason. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But they do some things with sex and dual identity that are uh, uncomfortable <laughs> correctly. The, like, the film knows. But anyways, that's that's enough about Johnny isn't real. Fuck yeah. So he's basically off against Protean, right? Tell me about Protean. Okay, so, oh, yeah, this is another section I wanted to cover, just like Rogue's Galley. So the thing about Proteus is that he is the creature's arch-nemesis, dating all the way back to the to the 60s series, wherein Proteus, and I hate this sentence so much, because Steve Dicker just didn't know what words meant, but he's an agnostic who thinks he's a god, but, right, he's a mad scientist playing god trying to create new life, and you retrofit that in the 97 series to be, he is the origin of the creeper he's the doctor who gave jack the serum and the formula and has been doing these weird skin experiments and his power set is he's kind of a putty man and can be anyone or anything so you get to recreate the famous panel wherein spider-man is swinging back to the cover and you see all the floating heads of doom and it says who could the green goblin be and we just do that again with proteus but steve ditko gets to write the in his mind wrong of norman osborne being the green goblin because supervillains don't tend to be people you know so the reveal with proteus is it isn't actually any of these supporting characters it's a new guy but yeah that's a that's that's more words than i think you wanted he's a putty man who wants to be god and does a lot of experiments to create some new form of like hyper life that betters humanity in some fashion right so um let me let me pitch you on a a literal plot detail then here if if he's the nemesis here and or you know the the ostensible nemesis when really in fact it is of course the creeper if he's the 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 nominal nemesis here then and he's the one who created the creeper in the first place my pitch um is that his um evil plan involves creating more creepers um 
and imbuing um, more people with the creeper identity, but like stronger this time. This time it isn't like it isn't a, a shared body thing. He's just like in imbuing new whole creepers um, outside of anyone's like like pre-existing body, and they all like have this um, uh, psychic link with the original creeper. So they all get to like spy on Jack and know where he is at all times. But like, and then you get to have Jack. Um, uh, fighting the creepers, right, in, like, this literalized, externalized way. Um, you get to, you know, have Jack in an internal conflict with his creeper, and you get to occasionally express that through you know, comic book fight punch scenes. Um, and so then the, like, the the melding moment gets to, like, the, the resolution of the emotional arc gets to synergize with the re resolution of a literal arc, by way of Jack finding a way to, I don't know, pacify those 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 other creepers to find a way to um, like when he accepts them and internalizes them. Maybe you do like the thing from uh, from It Follows, where um, he doesn't get rid of those creepers, but as soon as he stops trying to fight them and starts like accepting their presence around him, he can uh, view them through his creeper. He can get in touch with them, and then that means that. Um, uh, he can uh, keep them uh, more more controlled, more contained, um, and and you get to do the um, the the punch chattered mirror. You get to do the I'm coming to accept it, and then that gets to in addition to being this wonderful emotional climax that you've kicked, hooked up, um, uh, solve the literal plot, the the you know the 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 crunchy stuff as well. Yeah, that's good. I like that a lot. Thanks, man. You got it. Could I, because something else I'd like to do, because I'm feeling very good both about characterization and, like, the plot we've cooked up, and because it's a whole run, we don't need to come up with every beat. We just get to say other things happen. But what I'd like to do is go over some other creeper rogues and see if we can come up with any other ideas for them, because I think a definitive run would also have some fun things to do with villains, right? Yeah, totally. All right, cool. So I'm going to spit some creeper rogues at you. So there's Mr. Whiskers, who is a child in, like, a British schoolboy uniform who can touch you and make you old. Which, to me, I think you just do the Twilight Zone episode where there's a little boy with godlike powers. And you recognize that if you give a children powers, that's, like, terrifying. And that's how you'd play him and make him kind of threatening. There is the terror... Who I mean, is... that's a terrifying power threat alre power thing already, right? That's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You get it's... to, like, talk about mortality and aging and shit. Yeah, it's friggin' spooky. There's the terror, who is just boring. He's just a man in, like, a green costume who has little to no personality. He wants revenge and has, like, super strength, speed, and agility. And I think the only bit of interesting thing that happened is he does also hate Jack Ryder just because, like, he hates the work as a journalist Jack Ryder does. But, yeah, he's an open book. You can do whatever you want um, with him. You do him as Ben Riley in Across the Spider-Verse. You make him um, a, a, a funny comedy send-up to edgy characters. <laughs> That's funny because he comes from, he comes from like, the golden age as opposed to Ben Riley coming from the fucking 90s. There's personal favorite, Johnny the Angel Devilski. And as the resident Polak of this podcast, that's not a fucking Polish name, Steve. <laughs> no motherfuckers are out here named Devilski. But I think there's something interesting in him if you're hey, doing. I'm probably also Polish. Who knows? <laughs> I don't. But I'm from, you know, I'm from around Chicago and I'm white, so it's a good shot. <laughs> We're a Polish podcast, officially. But yeah, the thing about him is he's, uh, you know, kind of a standard Gotham gangster with a funny gimmick, but his mask is split down the middle, a devil mask and an angel mask. And there's something there about duality and, like, drawing a distinction between good and evil, and, like, this series kind of exists as a Dorian Gray rejection of that, and you mirror that in this villain who will never really gets anything to do, and I think there's just something there. The only other two I can think of are 
there's this one shot in... No, there's three, actually, I can think of right now. But there are these send-up to, like, Bohemian Grove, rich motherfuckers in the forest, cosplaying as, like, Vikings, doing some weird cult shit. There is Helgramite, who is a giant bug man who eats people. And there is Gavin, who we talked about in the previous one, who was a failed experiment of Welcome to Creepsville's version of Dr. Yats, who did, like, a skin thing, and the thing that went wrong with Gavin is it turned him into a monster who now has to eat skin to survive. And those are some creeper rogues. You got any ideas for them? I am so, so interested in the Devil Angel Man. I think that's so interesting with the themes we've already been talking about, and I would love to know what his uh, deal is characterization-wise so far. So, if you don't know Steve Ditko, he's kind of like an objectivist and a really angry person and so the villainy of devilski is like saying that he is both good and bad at the same time and not just being a flat-out objectivist he exists in one issue like showcase 73 which is mostly about why the creeper is in a literal plot sense so he is a wide open book. You can do whatever you want with Devil Ski. I have like four ideas for Devil Ski, um, and I'm gonna pitch you pitch them at you rapid fire. Option one for Devil Ski, um, uh, seemingly the most obvious route to me. Um, he is a man who believes in binaries, who believes that um, everything is everything is either all good or all evil and um, things can switch back and forth, but they always are just one of the two things at the same time. Um, and the, you know, that gets to be the theme that we're working against that we're refuting over the course of the thing that he wants to maintain that the creeper is bad and that Jack is good or maybe, or, 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 or the inverse or something like that. Um, and he's trying to like kill the creeper, but help Jack. And obviously that's not a helpful, not always a helpful route for a character to take um and then in the end um uh it's only through the refutation of that ideology that uh, jack gets to um uh save the day um option number two sort of the uh opposite of that our character um uh ends up being um not a villain in this version he is sort of a a complicated anti-hero type and jack wants to stop him the whole time and then eventually uh, like that arc mirrors Jack's arc with the creepers themselves that he has to like grow to understand the nuance and that the, the dialectic that both sides can be true, that he is, it doesn't have to be all one or all the other option three. You play it as part of the, which of these characters um, is the protean thing. And we use him as a, as a big red herring for that, where it's like, Oh, he maybe like shifts form between angel being an angel angelic figure and being a, a a devilic figure where sometimes he's really helping out the crew and sometimes he's evil and it's sort of unpredictable and you never know which to expect and they're doing the you know the um uh, uh dr jekyll died a virgin thing where you assume that um the other one is gonna be the protean but he's not actually um because it was a red herring or option four I said four, so I got to commit to having four ideas. <laughs> Option four is that we just use him as a teardown of objectivism. Like the guy thinks that he can, um, uh, he like, he'll like shift into evil mode and he'll shift into good mode. Um, uh, but when he's in good mode, um, he's still like very much doing things that seem like he's being a dick and it becomes clear at some point that it's not actually a shift in personality. He's using the evil form as like an excuse to like live out the things that he wants to be doing anyway. And you come to understand by the things that he does in good form, what his beliefs actually are in what the good thing is. And they aren't actually like some objective sense of what's good. And we get to go, Hey, objective good and objective evil aren't actually even real things. Those are four ideas. I think I like I like the fourth one, but I think I like the first one the 
best. And I think a thing that would make that interesting that he's constantly trying to say, like, either Jack is good or the Creeper is good is something I did forget to bring up is that when Jack Ryder investigates Devil Ski's party, it's a costume because he's a journalist, right? It's a costume party. And that's right. why Jack has the Creeper get up because it was a it was a used Ben at a costume shop. So I think okay. yeah. if he, he did like the spot thing, like I created you, Spider-Man. You created me. I think that throws some wrench into the way Devilski perceives the world, right? He created the Creeper, who is the bad in Jack Ryder, and is trying to do him a service by trying to kill the Creeper. I think you connect those things and then tie it into the larger themes of our series. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think, I think that's the way to go with yeah. Devilski. That's a really interesting take. Yeah, I forgot about that. We absolutely cannot get away with not having a non-binary character in this series, right? Just given the way... You're like, you're like super like, right. Right? <laughs> you're super right. Oh, that was another thing I wanted to bring up. Is like, would we like to make our own villain? I think we can make our own villain. But now that we're ditzing around with this non-binary character, would we like to make a new supporting character? A potential love interest? Or is that like a bit about Jack? that they would come to understand about themselves maybe my instinct is to make a new supporting character just because i'm nervous about giving the like character with a split personality yeah yeah i see you know yeah yep yep okay yeah so yeah let's let's make a new supporting cast i think if we had a non-binary person on the pod that they could maybe handle that with grace but neither of us are that person so uh 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 uh, taylor tell me what you think about doing that they didn't get back to me amber didn't get back to me (laughs) that jerk (laughs) yeah so I guess now I talk a little bit about Jack Ryder supporting cast. So never has a big one because never has a series that gets to go on for that long. There are various people who kind of exist in whatever news outlet Jack is working for at the time. The biggest consistent one is either on or off again, girlfriend or perpetual ex-wife Vicky, who they just have a magnetic attraction to each other. There's a fiery hot passion, but that fire is destructive and they both are adults who recognize that they're not good for each other and have come to like a understanding that can be civil whilst avoiding the fact that they want to fuck. And that's perpetually where they are. And that's kind of it, man. You're allowed to do whatever sort of supporting person you want for Jack. Alright, so to avoid the, like, barrier gaze thing, and because my main idea was that, like, the thing to do with Jack Ryder is to have him be someone who ruins his own personal interrelationships because of his lofty ideals about his own profession, is that if we introduce a new supporting character, Jack has to, like, screw them over in some way. Yeah, this kind of ends poorly, and it is Jack's fault. What way do they get screwed over that is not predicated on their queerness so that we do not uh, enact the barrier gaze trope? Okay, so here's the deal. Um, uh, Our our new character is a bus driver. Um, We introduce them. uh, Jack meets them during the course of the run. As something happens, he totals his car. He needs to be taking the bus for a while. Um, and he has the same work schedule every day. And so he has the, like this one bus driver. And he's like the only person on the bus for this stretch. Um, and he starts talking to the bus driver. Um, and they strike up a kind of a strange friendship. You get to do sort of that thing for a while where the, like, uh, the enigmatic uh, stranger figure d- dispenses some wisdom. But like over time... Um, the character becomes a little bit demystified and becomes like more of a person. You know, there's one day where Jack gets on the bus um, and the bus driver's really tired and Jack's like, oh, whoa, hey, you okay? And you're, they're like, yeah, man, I just like, there's these fucking college kids on here the other night. I'm just like, I, I barely got any sleep last night. My kids like stayed up all night shrieking. I'm just like exhausted. And you start to like, like your understanding of them become, becomes like a little bit more textured and a little bit more human. 
as like Jack's understanding of them becomes a little bit more textured, a little more human. It's a bus driver, by the way, because it's a transitional space. And I think that that's um, thematically appropriate with all the things that we've been talking about so far. And I oh, think that, that's um, cute. I was just thinking Big City Eleven. Big City Eleven. It gets to be both. It can be both. Um, that's dialectics, baby. Um, and, um, uh, so Jack, at some point, um, over the course of one of these bus rides, like a bus is a very easy place to enter when Jack has left another scene, right? He gets off of work after some big fight or he leaves home after some big fight with Vicky or something. There's some big event that happens and Jack is really frustrated and he gets on the bus. Um, and there's some people being loud on the bus and like the creeper comes out and, and does some horrible shit. Like, the bus gets a lot of damage to it, or it gets, like, super delayed, and the the driver, um, you know, the bus gets hurt somehow, and it, like, is a huge blow to the bus driver's, like, uh, living, uh, sure, but, like, more importantly, the bus driver's, like, sense of who Jack is. Like, they've suddenly seen this horrible thing about him. They, like, they're, like, absolutely no fucking way. And so uh, Jack bringing out the creeper gets to like destroy the relationship by virtue of this wonderful thing that he's been building with someone. Uh, it gets totally fucking blown up and they leave and they're like, they like switch routes. Ooh. Yeah. And then you get to have like the follow up thing where like you see Jack like walking home from work. <laughs> and it's probably raining. in the rain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and their name is Rowan. All right, shout out to you, Rowan, roommate of friend of the show, Kane. So yeah, we've got a new supporting character introduced. We've got the ending. We've got a general tone for Jack. We've gone over some ideas for villains. Is there anything you feel like needs to be said? And or do you still want to tackle making our own villain? I would be interested in tackling making our own villain. I think we can do that. I'm really much more interested in what you think is required out of a run of this. This is your property. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else do I think would be required out of it. Um, It feels like something, right? I would want to settle on like a tone. I know I want something a little more bittersweet just to make it different from... Because the thing is, like, my being like, oh, being a superhero comes at the cost of your personal life is more a Marvel thing than a DC thing. So I think having a tone that's a little skewed from your your Supermans, your Wonder Womans, your uh, Green Lanterns makes sense, particularly if the Creeper is operating out of a Gotham. But I think sort of, I don't know that I need to get a specific writer because I probably wouldn't know enough and then that would be embarrassing for me. But just get, sort of get like a specific vibe, a feel like, is this a gothic horror? Is this a psychological horror? What t is this a body horror? So much of the 97 series, like those final four issues are body horror TM. Oh, fuck. I love body horror. <laughs> you really do. But yeah, I think nailing down like the level of, I guess, joke to horror and kind of yeah, nailing down the tone would be important for me because I don't know because I don't immediately have one in my brain other than bittersweet. My sense is that it is a little quiet and a little slow and a little awkward and a little abstract. Like the first half of I'm thinking of ending things, maybe I think maybe we. Um... Like, we take a couple cues from Sandman, maybe. I don't imagine there's a lot of jokes. I imagine there are a lot of moments of beauty. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking, actually? Remember that cover of Agent Venom where it's just Eddie Brock with... Not Eddie. Where it's Flash Thompson alone in a hotel room, no mask on, and the Venom symbiote has, like, uncorked the bottle of alcohol. Yeah, I think that's a that's that's the tone. Yeah, that's the tone. Oh, that's an I, I, that's a that's another thing I would want out of like because sometimes the creeper is you know very theatrical, like a Shakespearean character, not necessarily speaking in couplets, but with a more theatrical verbiage to him. Sometimes he's a bit more of a goof with. Uh, almost Deadpool-esque with his pop culture references, and sometimes just kind of jokey funny man. I think I would want the jokes to always have more of a sinister bite to them and be less 
pop culture-y. I think a, a more sinister and theatrical diction to the Creeper is how I would want it to be played. Yeah, I I think I agree. It always kind of feels like he's laughing at somebody. Yeah, Creeper's a little spiteful, a little gremlin. Like, it's sort of a, he's making fun of you, and he's smarter than you, so you can't always tell that he's making fun of you sort of a thing, you know? Yeah, I like that. My thought was, like, the Creeper does not care if punch up or punch down, but want to punch. Yeah, that makes sense. Are we ready to ship Jack? <laughs> the sound effect in post, baby. What the f***? In Yowie Art, the semi, or top, is usually dominating the UK, or bottom. It was fun! Their relationship is cute, damn it! I ship that! Welcome to I Ship It, everyone, the segment where we talk about a character's sexual identity and expression whenever that does or does not apply, because sometimes we make children and we file it under discovering. And also, if there's anyone we do or do not ship this character with immediately, or who we think the fandom at large would ship the creeper with. And when I was running over this episode with my head, I think the idea I thought was the creeper, Jack Ryder, is someone dealing with repression and not knowing how to fully express what they are or are about. So I don't want to make someone who is, you know, closeted in the sense that they are attracted to men. But I think Jack would probably be into like some light BDSM thing. But like his whole thing is he doesn't have enough introspection to know what's going on with him. So he just doesn't allow himself that bit of fun sexually in the bedroom. I think that makes sense for what we've set up. Like we get a we get a scene where somebody like propositions him in a bar and he's like kind of into it and then they like bring out like a ball gag or whatever and he like freaks out and like is definitely into it but is very confused about it and he like bails and r- runs out on the other person. A sexual encounter that could have been good, but then you make it awkward and now no one had a good time. Nobody's coming. Mm-hmm. And I think in terms of fandom ships because we've leaned more anti-hero self-defeating literally anyone in the dc universe who is an anti-hero with this version particularly i could see getting shipped with red hood a lot and then there is a not insignificant subset of creeper fans who ship the creeper with Uh, the joker and that's mostly because writers love putting the creeper and the joker next to each other because they're both like crazy green-haired gotham people who do a laugh and i always think it's yeah it's never as interesting as people want to make it i think the fun part when that actually does happen is they get along and they're just kind of (laughs) dicks like they kidnap the the guy who makes charlie brown comics and make him (laughs) make mean-spirited comics it's stupid and silly uh, I cannot emphasize this enough. I do very much think there is a scene when Jack and the Creeper fuck, and it's like kind of abstracted, kind of played off like it's probably a dream sequence. It's not like necessarily a literalized thing as much as it is like, um, uh, you know, a, a, a fantastical representation of a character's mental state. Um, uh, but I, th- I think we do put that in print. Yeah, you know, you do the thing I feel this where, very strongly. where Spawn and Angela's cape and thing intertwine, but it's like Jack's tie and the Creeper's boa, and that's the last shot before, like, Jack wakes up in the morning and the Creeper thought bubble says, Ooh-hoo! Someone had a fun dream. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and I think the fan base is all about that. <laughs> and at some point in the series, Vicky's just like, God, if you could just fuck yourself, Jack, I think you'd be happy. And Jack shuts up and thinks back to that oh panel God. and he leaves. Absolutely. Oh, that's, that feels... that's way better. Hell, I... <laughs> I always like it when Vicky definitively has Jack's number and knows how to shut him up because she's the one who spent the most time with him. Uh, but that, that feels like a great little edition of I Ship It. You feeling good about this edition of I Ship It? I'm feeling so good about it that I'm wondering if there's more information we can come up with about this character. Like some kind of like fun fact, maybe one for each of us. Oh, that would be fun. I think my fun fact is that the next person who comes up to write a creeper thing after us does something I would not 
want done in my series, but I would like done in larger, like, Creeper Canon, where... I didn't get to bring this up earlier, but in the 97 series, the editor was very adamant about when pitching a Creeper series with Lynn Kaminsky, the main writer, they were like, no, 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 no. The specifics of Jack Ryder inform who the Creeper is. And that's true for a point, but then the Creeper is a demon later on. I think what I would like to happen at some point, because comics are dumb and they love like Lauren shit is you take that vertigo series that is unrelated from everything and you reveal that it, her she is part of the rider lineage and the creeper is a thing that manifests once every generation in this line and i don't know how it makes sense but it's comics and someone's gonna do it why not I also have a second fun fact for free, but I think if there is a reboot of the Crazy Talk letters page, then the issue after Jack and the Creeper make sucky fucky in the mind space, someone writes in, hey, was this like a metaphor for, for masturbating? Was Jack jerking off? The writer replies, no, because everyone knows heroes don't do that. <laughs> That's my fucking deep cut DC reference for the day, baby. I think there's a, a, a visual motif where um, Jack is pretty much always wearing uh, a button-down. He's a professional guy. Um, he wears a button-down shirt into work, um, and it's always somewhere on a color spectrum from blue to green. Um, and you can tell how much sway the Creeper is having over him that day, how much he's engaged with that side of himself based on how green the shirt is. Oh, that's good. Those are better than mine. Shout out to you, Amber. You won this round of fun facts. <laughs> Finally, the first time I've won one of these. It's been a season and a half. <laughs> uh, speaking of winning, audience... Oh my god, wait, Devin. Wait, yeah, wait, 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 wait. We can't end it yet. We can't end it yet, Devin. Yeah. Um, Because we haven't included one of our... One of our prompts. Oh, our, oh, Schmauzow, you're right. Prompts. We gotta go do that real quick. Oh, and you know what else we didn't do? We didn't make a villain, so we can tie this item to the villain. Great call. So there's a lot of fantastical stuff here, like a demon's eye and the last hair of the last unicorn, which tickle my brain and make me want to do something. There's also a lot of sexual stuff, and I feel like we've talked about the fact that Jack is sexually oppressed. But I see dark lipstick. And I'm getting, like, black cat femme fatale type villain. And I think that's fun to play with the creeper, who is dressed like a goddamn drag queen. And I don't know that I have a fuller idea than that, but that's, like, a place to start. How are you feeling? Oh, black cat femme fatale type figure. Um, how do we make that work here? Yeah. Okay, tell me if this idea is too stupid. We did say that Jack would run from light BDSM elements. What if this villain has some like some wi some like whips and chains and leather, and that's Jack's kryptonite? I actually, you say that like it's dumb, and the way you phrase it um, makes it sound dumber than it than it is. Because I, I think there, I was I was leaning in a similar direction where like the issue where Jack does that like has an encounter with someone but freaks out and leaves early could be like during the little stretch of the run when we're dealing with this character okay so we've got bdsm elements there's trust there's power dynamics there is a villain so maybe this is someone who takes that trust for granted and abuses it in some way is enacting bdsm on not willing participants and that is spring of their villainy a, a, a font of Self-destructive hedonism is the, is the direction that I'm leaning here, is that you have a character who wants to uh, eat and cheat and fuck her way through the world and um, has some kind of a superpower that means that she sort of gets to do that and she gets to um, uh, make herself into um, whoever she wants and get away with anything she wants. You know, maybe she can wipe people's memories. Maybe she can shapeshift. Maybe, I don't know any number of like responsibility dodging powers uh, she like expresses a little bit of interest in jack in like a casual 
non-committal way where she doesn't seem like she actually gives a fuck and it really seems like it would be a much bigger deal for him than it would be for her i'm thinking a lot about faith in in buffy the vampire slayer season four like like at first she shows up and it's not necessarily clear that she's like evil she has powers but she doesn't seem to be using it to like conquer the world or or save the world she just seems to want to like get a lot of free drinks and um have a lot of free sex and do a lot of free drugs and um somebody gets um abused somebody she like um she like goes partying with someone and slips them way too many drugs and she doesn't want to deal with the aftermath of it so she vanishes on it and that's like the 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 mechanism through which her evil her evil exists is through like a, a lack of care you know what? You know what her power. You know Maxwell Lord. Yeah, you know how his power is like he can just kind of like push you into sort of doing the thing he wants. She presumes like a, like a sub, field when you just become like a little more subservient to her whims and like, hey, I'm not like Robin Banks, man. I'm just you know not paying for a few shots. And like when we first introduce her, it's like oh, fun, sexy, femme fatale, um untouchable woman who also is very dominant and makes you more magically submissive when you're around her and then after like a couple of issues we're like oh no this is leaving a trail of destruction in her wake to everyone including herself yeah it's that one episode of supernatural where sam doesn't want to put the demon down because he just kind of uh fucks lonely because he just kind of like cheats with women and then the devil's like no sam he's not just a cool guy and they go back to the house and the couple like killed themselves in the aftermath of the fight man we should do a reaper episode i got thoughts <laughs> things to say about reaper okay um does that feel like a like a sufficient villain that we can now actually end the episode <laughs> yeah we could let's what are we doing next week wait what's her name oh um i want her civ name to be diana to the reference that this feels like a very fucking early Wonder Woman villain because those early books are so fucking horny for BDSM shit. So I have sure. decided that her Civ name is Diana, but super villain name. What if her name is just Fatal? Mean Queen. Oh, that's better. <laughs> I don't know if it is. Fatal is pretty on the nose. <laughs> it's better than fucking Mean Queen. Well, I guess his name is the Creeper. Fatal is good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Fatal and the Creeper, they're gonna light up the night. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. My name has been Amber Autumn, she, her. And my name has been Prince Devin, he, him. Um, uh, thanks for listening. Please go ahead and, um, uh, leave us a like, uh, leave us a comment, give us five stars, um, and go ahead and, um, head on over to our merch store where we will be selling destroyed school buses. Oh. And that hurts the local community. But you know what uplifts the local community? Making a little bit of art. And podcasts are art, damn it. And Amber, we're going to make art next week. What are we going to be sure talking are. about when we make that art next week? Well, Devin, you know how much I would love to make an episode on Gem and the Holograms. Let's do that. Oh, nope, sorry. It says in the contract we can't make a Gem and the Holograms episode. Tisk tisk. <sighs> Well, I guess instead, then, we will just have to do an episode about Welcome to Night Vale. Oh, we're finally doing... Is Reggie coming on for that one? I wasn't planning on getting anybody, but I guess you can ask them. Yeah, because I was planning on whatever my next episode was going to be was be a Reggie episode, but Reggie's like the only other person I immediately know who knows anything about Welcome to Night Vale. Well, I guess Hans also knows about Welcome to Night Vale, but yeah, I'll well, shoot a few on Reggie. Reggie. Sure. <laughs> Let's do it. Night Vale, possibly with a guest. Who knows? Woo! See you then, fuckers. Okay, our, our theme music is by Kyle Alicia, who you can find at uh, holorib.bandcamp.com. Bye! Bye!